Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. This is the second class of our study of the Theragatha and the Theragatha. Um, last week's class, the beginning class, was a poem from Mittakali, uh, subtitled The Nun's Path Completed, and so she uh, spoke very eloquently and poignantly about under, coming to an understanding of the personal experience of suffering, known as the five clinging aggregates, and her liberation from that suffering through the Buddha's Eightfold Path. And so this is, poem is from Sumangala, uh, and I just should point out that next week's poem is from Sumangala's mother, and they're together, they're just really wonderful. A very short poem where, uh, and it should be understood that as a Dhamma practitioner in the, in the original Sangha, Sumangala was developing the Dhamma just as we have through the Eightfold Path, developing an understanding of Four Noble Truths. And so he relates this short poem to the importance of establishing jhana, establishing concentration, and what it can lead to. Sumangala's words. Freedom, freedom, I am completely free from three crooked things, sickle, shovels, and plows. Even if they were here, even if they were right here, I would still be free of them. So that reference to the three crooked things is reference to a metaphorical of being entangled in the world and the difficulties, the the, uh, the the drudgery, if you will. I mean, imagine having to work with a sickle, a plow, or a shovel every day of your life. Well, we're kind of doing that, dig, digging ourselves through the muck of life when we're entangled in it. So Sumangala is characterizing his life prior to the Dhamma as just like just that. Even if they were right here now, he would still be free of them. Even if he was in the world, he would now be free of them. And he affirms to himself, do jhana, Sumangala, talking to himself, always mindful. Sumangala, do jhana. That's the end of the poem. He's reminding himself in each and every moment of his life to maintain that level of concentration framed by the refined mindfulness of the Eightfold Path. So I know everybody's always appreciative of a short sutta or poem. So that's it. But there's a lot in here, isn't there? Uh, let me start with, with Laura. Laura, how are you? Welcome to our, I think you said this isn't your first or second time, but welcome back to our Thursday Sangha. Yeah, thank you, John. Um, so, yeah, still contemplating this very short poem, but freedom, you know, freedom through jhana, um, always mindful. Um, and then I guess I was, I know uh, Dominic and Alex weren't there, but it kind of just reminded me of our class on Tuesday a little bit, yeah. how, um, um, you know, freedom through wise restraint, freedom through, I think it was Matt who brought it up, these, um, how the Buddha often talks in kind of these dichotomies. Uh, like dichotomies or like opposites, like freedom through restraint or liberation through restraint or like, it's just, it's kind of counterintuitive, but yeah. it really does, you know, allow you to live a more fulfilling life um, present here. And now, even while I was meditating just now, 
my mind in the beginning was rattling off these thoughts of the, from the busy morning and um, early afternoon. But, you know, then towards the end of the meditation, you kind of just become like we've talked about that, you know, six property person yeah. and just, you know, absorbing the sound. And, and then I, I finally felt that just for a, a moment, like that I was glad to rest in it. Um, the equanimity and yeah. the concentration, just like a, you know, reflecting or um, like a mirror, just like reflecting yeah. what was there or, and nothing else. So um, this is short, but there's a lot to think about here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lori. You're describing Dhamma practice uh, and it's uh, practical application. And it's just that way. Uh, the reference to uh, Tuesday's uh, sutta on uh, the beginning of, wise, of the wise restraint structured study uh, is the Datu Vibhanga Sutta that I think both of you have heard before. I know I taught it in the jhana structured study, meaning Alex and Dominic. Uh, but in that sutta, the Buddha teaches us that each and every human being is comprised of six properties. The four elements, earth, wind, fire, water, the six property, the space property that we can animate in. And that's sixth property of our own thinking or consciousness. And that's all we ever are and all we can ever become. But we can have the entire gambit of life experiences as that sixth property person. And it will, be, it will remain calm and peaceful as long as we don't start embellishing that sixth property person by insisting that that person be different than it possibly can be. Um, and then Laura mentioned this, the, you know, the, uh, this wise restraint in this moment through jhana. Uh, we can't practice wise restraint in this moment if we don't have a measure of concentration, right? And that, and that only deepens, our wise restraint only deepens as our concentration deepens. Uh, so another good metaphor for the liberation that's found through this is without the Dharma practice, it's like walking around life with all of our stuff in a backpack filled with bricks, in every little bit of liberation, we get to take one brick out and toss it aside. And so as we continue our Dhamma practice, eventually we lighten up that backpack full of bricks and we are now free, we are now liberated. And it is just that way. So we can walk gracefully through the world without being dragged down by our own ignorance of Four Noble Truths, our own ignorance of the stress and suffering that's inherent in the world, characterized as five clinging aggregates. So, great observations, Laura. I'm glad you joined us today. Dominic! Hey. Uh, so, my first thought was, you know, Sumangala, you lucky bastard. <laughs> uh, he is. Or fortunate. You know, for me, this... Yeah. For me, these short poems are... Um, you probably won't know this name, but hopefully Alex does, uh, Professor Brian Cox. I do know the name, but I can't place the reference. I know I've heard of it. Hey. He's an astrophysic uh, physician, you know. Um, and you should see him because the guy, when he talks about, you know, the universe or the creation or explains something, you know, that it's very difficult to, to, to comprehend. But when you see his face, he's so freaking happy that he can explain to the world, you know, that he understands this. And it's just, you know, a pleasure to, to, to watch him and listen to him. And uh, 
don't know, for me, he's, I, I call this a Brian Cox moment, you know? So it's short, but it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it certainly brings a smile to my face as well. And it, and it gets right to the point, but it's, poems or suttas like this, uh, to me, they're so indicative of the Dhamma because when we break through all of our own nonsense, it really is this simple. It really is resting in jhana and developing this eightfold path so I can see what's occurring in this moment. And nothing could be simpler than wise restraint because it keeps us focused and it keeps us out of the distractions and complications of yesterday or tomorrow, meaning the last moment or the last hundred years or the next moment or the next hundred years. It's just right here and right now. And even if I I need to contemplate contemplate the next moment or tomorrow or the, the rest of my life, I can now do it from the vantage point of here and now rather than some fabricated view of who I am and try to apply that to another fabricated view. So the point I'm trying to make is, and Laura was making this very well, if I'm well concentrated in this moment, I can better plan my future, right? I mean, that just makes sense. I can, and I can do it without uh, any eye-making or any supposition or speculation of what I might be in the future because I'm in full control of who I am in this moment. So I won't fabricate myself into the next moment, thereby relieving my future moment or liberating any future moment from stress and suffering as well. And it's just that way. So I'm going to, is it Brian Cox with a B-R-Y-A-N? I think that's how I saw it. Yeah. 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 I, I know, I know who he is. I'm going to, I'm going to look him up and get back into it. I'm sure yeah, I read his stuff before. Because <laughs> yeah. Great. He's really, you know, Thank you, Dominic. Alex, good to see you. Yeah, you too, John. Nice to be here. Um, yeah, I've actually seen Brian Cox live um, in in Wembley. And um, it's funny, my, my mum bought me tickets to go and see him, thinking it would be really simple and easy to understand. And it was, it was like a really in-depth um, lecture. And we had to leave <laughs> halfway through because we just couldn't follow. Um, but he is a, I know what you mean when you watch him speak. He's so um, enamored with with the thing that whatever he's talking about and the fact, I don't know, it's the fact that there's more, I, I, I'm careful with the way I word this, but more to what we perceive, you know, there's, there, if, yeah, there's, there's just more behind everything and he obviously understands a lot more than than most of us do in terms of the complexity of um, science. Um, anyway, yeah, he's also a musician. I don't know if you know about his song. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he's quite famous for that as well. Um, yeah, no, I enjoyed the poem. I I think um, I'm a bit. The, I'm I'd be keen to know what Sumangala. Is referring to with sickle shovels and plows. I ju- I assume that's work. In those times, I assume they represent work. Well, yeah, or be... being entangled in the world. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, and then even if they were they were here, he'd still be free of them because he's keeping his mind. I guess. He, yes, he, he would. Know, he knows how to keep his mind. Yes, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't feel the need to become engaged with the world because he understands the world. That, that, of course, it doesn't mean that he's not living in the world. They, no. Again, we, we, we have to understand the, the original Sangha as well, that most people misunderstand 
that, or they just lived their whole lives in caves as hermits. But the original Sangha was very involved in the local community every day. Every day they got up, they, they put on their robes in a bowl, and they went into town, and they interacted with the townsfolk. So, again, they weren't just secluded from the world in a physical sense, but they were secluded from the world in a, in a jhana sense, in a well-concentrated sense. And so that's how he could be engaged in the world without picking up a sickle or a shovel or a plow, which is a good metaphor for just the difficulties. There are, a sickle, you know, people that have worked a sickle, it's a difficult thing to use. It's not easy and it's heavy. And so it's a good metaphor or a plow, you know, going through the rough dirt. And, uh, so it's, it's all a good metaphor for being entangled in the world. But we get to pick up a shovel whenever we want and dig as much as we want, but we can do it with a liberated mind rather than the drudgery of, you know, the world is making me yeah. do this, you know. That's what I get from this poem, is that it, the, the line, even if they were right here, yeah. that's such a powerful line, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the, the simplicity of it. Well, simple but not simple at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Is it? Is it? Um, it may be speculation, but is it the Buddha's birthday today? Have I heard that correct? What is today? Do we know when that is. Today is, May, is today the eighteenth. It's the nineteenth. Uh, well, I always I always heard and practiced that it was the eighteenth, but uh, the date kind of bounces around a little bit. But yeah, happy birthday, Sid. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Alex. The uh, this physics and uh, quantum physics has always been, you know, kind of an amateur hobby of mine uh, that I get into. I want to give myself a headache immediately, but it's just fascinating to me. And that idea of infinitude has always been fascinating to me. And so, and the Buddha taught me, as far as my Dhamma practice. Stop trying to establish myself in infinitude. And that, that removed from me the, the wonder of what it would be like to be on the far side of the universe, but still being able to consider that, yeah, I'm, having, I'm a human being having a human life, and it's on this earth. And so I can think about these other things, and at times I do, but what is most important to me is this moment, not what is on the far side of Pluto or how big the universe is or where it might be going or anything else. It's all fascinating to me. I woke up, you know, staring at the stars and wondering what was out there and thinking about all those things. I, I saw everything. It doesn't really matter much, but this was my fascinating with the fascination with that whole thing. I saw every Apollo, Gemini and Apollo launch which was a lot. I mean, I was always in front of the TV. I knew it was happening. It was, I'd think about where they're going and what they're going to find out there. And that's great. But I'm living here. I'm on this earth. You know, let me, let me understand what that means first. But I'm also very grateful for people like Brian Cox that go that way and can, and, and can bring that, that understanding and vision to me. You know, so these are, these are remarkable things. And all that, I'm going to go look up Brian Cox as soon as I get off. And that is going to be not a search for what I can add to myself, but it will be an enjoyable aspect of my life doing it because I'm present for it. And I don't have to get into the speculation. Or even as a, uh, if I was a scientist or a physicist hoping that, gee, I wish I had a brain like this guy. You know, there's a lot of brilliant people in the world. I'm, I'm fortunate to have known many of them. But I'm also fortunate to have a human mind that can understand the Dhamma. 
that's all that I need to be happy in the world, to be at peace. You know? And we all have that. And that's the important thing. We get to have all these wonderful experiences. And, and today I can learn a little bit more from Brian Cox. And I learned a lot from, from every class I learned something, and you all do, because we're present for life. It's just, it's just wonderful that way. And there's never, in that way, there's never a dull moment or, or never a, a, mom, a moment that I might be averse to. Because that's what's occurring. It doesn't mean that I wish that that I wish that fox that I saw on the side of the road dead would be alive, but it does mean I can appreciate the fox. On I, I don't know if you heard that we were talking about before. I, I can appreciate the fox had a life, just as uh, when I walked into the uh, um, into the funeral home and saw my father's body in the box. The only emotion I I, I had great sadness, but the clear thinking was. I am so fortunate to have known this man for this many years. And and looking around the room, I don't think anybody else was thinking how fortunate they were to know this wonderful man because they were just caught up in it needed to be different and he should have lived another five minutes or you know whatever nonsense you might come up with because it's not what's occurring. So why not appreciate? Why should I be mad at God or my father or some notion of how life should be that doesn't fit and just be appreciative of what occurred? You know, and that's how we should treat every moment. It can't be any different than it can than it is, but I can accept it as it is. And we're learning on, and, and you all express that in you know one way or another. So it's a good life this way. So, um, are there any other questions or comments about uh, this sutta or any aspect of Dharma practice? No, I was just going to say, John, uh, to what Dominic was talking about earlier with you know being heartbroken with an animal. It's like I've noticed that this practice, uh, what you just said, it develops a deeper concentration and appreciation. Because, um, you know, like the other week, I, I, I too, I saw a, a dead fox and I pulled over to the side of the road and it was like in the middle of the road. So I put gloves on. It was already passed, but I like brought it over, picked it up and brought it over and like just observed it and like broke down crying. But I didn't get caught up in my my previous habits. I probably would get caught up in my own emotional like story and fabrications, but I was able to just appreciate like the animal for what it was and the life that it had. So it's like, it's such a beautiful practice because you develop those moments of just being like of clarity and connection with others or with animals or nature or whatever. But um, it's such a more fulfilling way to live. It is, and Laura, you were you were you were so respectful of that life that had just passed. Meaning, you took it off the road, but again, you didn't get caught up in it. You didn't think it should be any different. You didn't think, oh, that stupid driver, how could they do that or anything like that? You just you just took care of it, and you were done. And I and I bet you didn't carry it around too much. You might have considered it at other times during the day, but. That's how we should treat all of life. You know, be respectful, be, be, understand what all of life is about. You know, whether it's a human life, an animal life, or a plant life, or anything else. You know, a stone on the road. Be respectful of it all through understanding. We are so fortunate to have a human life, period. We're so fortunate to be a six-property person and to be able to have this moment in our life. Period. Yeah. It's wonderful. 
So you, you got me thinking I'm going to tell one story and I'll let you go. When I was a, a young teenager, we lived on the edge of a rather large forest, a couple hundred acres, and so there were always yeah. a lot of animals. And in my mid-teens to late-teens, I used to sit on the back porch at night, uh, smoking things I shouldn't be smoking and drinking things I shouldn't be drinking. But it was, you know, um, but I, I made friends with a raccoon and a fox by yeah. inviting them in and feeding them out of my hand. And at times, after, after a couple of years of this, if the raccoon lived in a shed near the forest uh, and the raccoon would come in from the woods. And the raccoon would, and after a few years, I could notice two sets of eyes on the edge of the woods about, say, 30 or 40 yards apart. And I could see them look at each other. And it was almost like, I couldn't see this, but it was almost like the fox would say, okay, you go first. And the raccoon would walk up to me. He would eat out of my hand and walk back under the shed. And then the fox would come in and take his meal. And I know this sounds crazy, but I think if I, if, if I habituated the fox first, the raccoon never would have came in. Because yeah. it would have been afraid of the fox. And it would be the fox's terror. Anyway, maybe it's a stupid yeah. story. But... It was, it was it just reminded me of how wonderful it is to be able to do that and had that experience. Even though I was blasted out of my mind most of the time, the most important thing wasn't being blasted out of my mind. It was it was hanging out with my friend, the raccoon and the fox. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a great story. Thank you, John. Oh, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you like. I don't think the other guys <laughs> liked it, but you liked it. So, <laughs> I, it, it's it, it's just um, so anyway. Just to kind of put a. Uh, uh, closing on this this is why life is so meaningful because we can be in the moment present with rise restraint uh without any conflict in our mind nothing needs to be any different than it is because it's happening not because we it 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 couldn't be better but it isn't this is it and in the next moment in the next breath there's another moment in life to be mindful of and now we can we can always Function at the highest level of human possibility by being present. That's it. That's it. Thank you all. Um, we'll uh, we'll finish with meta as we always do. So again, take a moment to become mindful of your in breath and your out breath, and let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. And these are the Buddha's words on metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature, Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another, or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, 
So with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision and being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class today. Peace. See you all soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.